First time coming Georgia. That was very sincere and kind. Thank you, Pastor. I've looked forward to coming. And uh, so, yeah, I'm here. Yay. Uh, yeah, I've looked forward to this and, and uh, because I've never been here and, and all. Uh, it had to just been because of an expectancy in my heart. And so uh, God's here, and he's going, to, he's going to do some things in us, and he wants to do some things with us. Prayer is interactive, and so you can do a whole heap of teaching on prayer and never get out of the garage. But uh, I, I believe some of the, the funnest times I've had in, with God is praying. And if, if somebody's never run into how fun prayer is, it's because they've never connected with God. You ever connect with God, it changes your life every time. So actually, you don't have to wait for those interactions. You can actually engage with him at will because he invited us. We all have equal access. No one has more access than you. Some people take advantage of their access more than other people. But everyone has equal access, equal privilege, equal hearing with God. You don't have to hide behind anybody that says, you know, a lot of times people turn in prayer requests to somebody who thinks they're going to get heard. You know, their, their prayers are heard better than yours. So you pray for me. I remember the first job we had, my sisters and I, my brother came along and uh, worked that same job too. It was in a flower shop in, my dad pastored a church in, in a little farm town in Colorado. And, uh, and they, when my sisters and I would come in, they'd say, here comes the hotline, hot, meaning hotline to heaven. They, they, oh boy, those women were bad. <laughs> and, uh, but they knew what a hotline was. And they, if they ever had any problems, they'd, they'd turn in prayer requests. And, 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 you know, God is so merciful. He doesn't answer prayers because you're nice. He answers prayers because he is. <laughs> Isn't that nice? Praise God. Anyway, it was nice. Those, those women just bumped into the, the goodness of God and got born again. And, and, uh, but you know what? Everyone has equal access. In the Old Testament, not everyone could approach God. But in this covenant, because of what Jesus did, it was huge, huge price to God. It gives us free and equal access to the throne. Let's take him up on it. Let's come here and come a lot. And he, unlike, you know, uh, maybe anybody else, they'll never get tired of seeing your face. Anytime you come boldly before the throne of grace, he is so happy, so happy to have us. He loves to hear us talk. He loves to hear us sing. Praise the Lord. And no one can do it just like you. So there are prayers that we're going to pray. Uh, there's something just in my heart on the subject of prayer. I believe for, for this prayer conference, there's an assignment in prayer rather than just uh, uh, information on prayer, great information on prayer. But I really believe that the Lord, anytime that we come together, we see in Matthew, the 18th chapter, that when two of you are gathered in his, in his name, there he is in the midst of us. And whatever we bind on earth is bound in heaven. Um, He's in our midst to not only bless us and give us, you know, what we 
need to hear from him as far as word is concerned. But when he's in the midst of us, there's business to be done. So whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And so I still remember, uh, you know, as, as your pastor just got through saying, uh, yeah, we've lived overseas for um, now more than 19 years, 19 and a half years. And, uh, uh, but we were in the States, happened to be in the States, uh, 9-11. And so uh, we had to, uh, I still remember, uh, does everybody remember that? Yeah, you always remember those kind of days. And so uh, we were staying in the home of some pastors out there, dear friends, and they woke us up. They came in our bedroom, woke us up, and uh, they said, you know, told us what had happened. That was quite a way to wake up in California. And... uh, so, uh, of course, we got straight up out of bed, and, and uh, they're real prayer people. We just started praying, and I had a vision, and I saw in heaven ranks and ranks of angels, like, like regiments of them, way, way at a distance. They were standing in perfect formation, wing to wing, in imperfect formation. And there were, I, I just, I couldn't even imagine how many there were. There were heaps of angels. But what troubled me is that they were standing at attention. I thought, fly. <laughs> Do something. Don't just stand there, you know. They were standing really, you know, at attention. So I asked the Lord, I said, why are they just standing there? You know, because you're wanting Go do something. Protect the nation. And he said this, and I'll never forget it. He said, each of those regiments work with a church. And when that church prays, they move. Aye, aye, aye. Of course, when the church doesn't pray, they just wait for the church to pray. (laughs) I think what troubled me that day is that Evidently, they weren't getting much instruction from earth. So in these next two days, we're going to, next three days, there's going to be some things coming up from coming Georgia. And heaven is in operation and moving. Praise God. Isn't it nice that tucked in these woods, uh, from this place here, angels can go anywhere in the world. Praise God. So it's an honor to get to pray. God needs us to not just know on the subject, but actually open our mouth and pray. And uh, I was listening to the Word this morning while I was getting dressed. You know, do you know how you just, uh, you have it on the, I can't think what it is, you know. Well, it was an iPad, you know, I just had the, I programmed it up, and I was listening to, um, to what Paul was telling Timothy. And he said that I would, that men would lift their hands everywhere in prayer. And then it says, and to the women. He gave instruction to the women. I just thought it was interesting uh, that uh, in this case, when he's talking about men, he's not talking about mankind. He's actually talking about men, like man-men. <laughs> 
And there is something real significant happens when men pray. I'm, okay, I'm all for women praying. I am one. <laughs> I like to pray. But uh, there's something very significant happens when a man prays. Because the Bible says that men are the glory of God. Women are the glory of man, but men are the glory of God. And they're created in such a way, there is a, a dominion that was given to man and woman too, but there's a dominion that is given to man uh, that is very amazing and magnificent that scares the devil. So I, I think that sometimes women's prayer meetings are kindling to get the logs burning. I'm talking about the men. <laughs> yeah. There's something that happens when men pray that changes the spiritual climate in an area. Praise God. So prayer is really important for everyone. And kids, I still remember uh, growing up, uh, and we were talking about the, the 70s, you know, but I still remember this Jesus people movement that went actually around the world. And uh, it got way out of the church. It, it, we had it in schools and and just pe heaps of people got saved. And, uh, you know, it was pretty crazy in those days with, with uh, what was going on in the world and with riots and drugs and all kinds of stuff. But God raised up an amazing move of God during that time. And I got to be in the prelude of that before it actually happened. There was this amazing move of, that started stirring in, in our youth, and we started praying, started praying. And uh, we got so we wanted to, uh, uh, we'd pray all night. Sometime after, after football games or something, we'd meet up at the church and just pray all night. And, oh, how God met us. And we were wild in prayer. We were radical in prayer. We turned the lights out so no one would see what we were doing. And some of the older people in church, they, they said to Daddy, they said, do you think you need to calm those kids down? And he said, I don't know. They're, they're, they're striking up some kind of fire. Better let them just burn, you know? And so, uh, but it did. I, I remember. And then the effect, it got out of my dad's church. It got into the school and Kids were getting saved in lunch hours and, and uh, after school, before school, and, and football players and nerds and, and smart people. And, what you know, just everybody started just flowing together. It was amazing. The churches all started flowing together. I remember praying together with the Methodist preacher's son. He'd been on drugs really bad. And he got saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, and we all, and the Baptists, uh, you know, preacher's kids, we all just all, we just all merged. Does anybody remember those merging days? And so people have, there are, there is equal access for gender, for age, for nationality. Everyone can come. Let's all come boldly before the throne of grace. Amen? 
and not just, not just some, uh, oh, wow, let's just come a lot. Praise God. Dear Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for your word. We love, we love your word. Because when we have actually taken it into our life and done it, it makes all the difference in the world, just like this one couple. They were telling about how this changed their situation in this unexpected bonus happened. It just works. I'm so thankful that your word is practical. Lord, when we look into it today, help us to see what you want us to see and inspire us and give us grace to do what we need to do to work together with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Go in your Bible to John, the 15th chapter. And some of this is not going to be, you know, all brand new or anything, but it's so good. It just tastes so good. John, the 15th chapter, Jesus is talking here, and he said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. And then he gets into this thing uh, that the branches are actually <laughs> to bear fruit. In other words, there's... Uh, God's intention for us is not just to sit on a shelf and collect dust, but it's actually to bear fruit. And so he said, and I'll even, I'll even prune you so that you can bear more fruit. He said, verse 4, dwell in me and I in you, just as a branch can bear no fruit except it abide in the vine, neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. I'm the vine. And you're the branches. Whoever lives in me and I in him bears much fruit. Bears fruit. Because apart from me, you can do nothing. Then verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. And then in verse 8, when you bear much fruit, is my Father glorified, and you show yourselves to be true followers of me. Verse 16, you've not chosen me, I've chosen you, and I have appointed you that you would go and bear fruit, and that your fruit remain, and that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. So the whole chapter is really good. And what Jesus was saying here about fruit bearing is really good. But what we just want to just hone in on here is that he was talking about a relationship with God of abiding in him, being rooted in him, drawing things up from him. What we see a better picture of that is in Ephesians, the third chapter. And as a result of our being rooted in Him, drawing our life from Him, we would be able spontaneously to bear fruit. And part of the fruit that we would bear from a, a relationship that we have in Him would be what we would ask in prayer. There would be some things that you would ask in prayer that would be unique and different to anyone else. And part of what your life is, to, the fruit that your life is to bring part of that fruit is prayer fruit. There are things that God already has planned 
that you ask him so he can do it. Prayer doesn't start in us. It starts actually in God. And so when our, the roots of our being are in God, we're drawing from him really what he wants us to ask. And part of what he wants us to ask has to do maybe personally in our own life. Part of what he wants us to ask goes beyond our own life. I think of what, you know, what um, Isaiah, the 54th chapter, it says, you know, stretch forth the boundaries of your tent. Make a bigger tent. I remember my brother and I, um, uh, he had a pup tent because he was a Cub Scout, you know. They had to do this, uh, you know how it is. You have to get, tick off all the little boxes so you can get pins and badges and all. So uh, he got a pup tent so he could do the, the camping thing. And uh, with a pup tent, uh, you know, it's, it's like two, two small people is in that tent. And it's just you and somebody else. My brother-in-law, uh, Mark Hankins, he, did, he took an uh, Alaska hunting trip. And um, I think they were after moose. And um, he thought it was going to be a highfalutin thing, you know, where they get to go out and, and hunt in the day and go to this nice lodge at night. It wasn't that one. In his mind, he ticked that box, but actually it wasn't that one. That they, that it, actually, what they did, they took all this, their hunting thing, uh, their, their hunting team, and um, they dropped them individually off in different places in a plane in Alaska in the wilderness. And they met up, each of them met up with, um, with a guide that had probably lived out there for 14 years and never seen another human <laughs> until that day. So my brother-in-law, he met up with this guide. He said he is sure that he hadn't taken a bath in a long, long, long time. And they, they stayed in a two-man pup tent. I love that. We, we didn't laugh in front of our brother-in-law, but we laughed really hard. And some guys, some guys got their moose, you know, like in the first two days or something like that. Not Mark. It took him eight days. You couldn't come home until you got your moose. Oh, he was wanting to find a moose. He didn't even care about the moose. He just wanted to come home. But anyway, so sometimes people's prayer experience is a two-man pup tent. <laughs> I said all that to say that. Pray mostly about me. And I pray about you, about my wife or my husband or my kids because they affect me. I want them to be happy because when they're happy and they're healthy, that affects me. <laughs> I'm being a little facetious. But sometimes our prayer lives revolve around us. And the even, so, even so when we pray, for, uh, we pray for our city or we pray for our state or we pray for our nation, it's so that it affects us good. So our life is happy. But actually, if we can stretch forth the boundaries of our tent and allow more, uh, more people in our tent, there is fruit and prayers that you can pray for other people that can change people's life. 
And I cannot even begin to describe the joy that happens when it isn't anything good of your own, but if something good can pass through you, like, a, like your life can be the riverbed of something good coming from God and going to somebody else, and it changes their life. I'm telling you, it ruins you for just spoiled, selfish, inward, me, 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 my, 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 I, 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 living. You, you love to see people's lives changed by God. And so if you can just be, you know, just be the delivery person, just be the hose, just help you, help it get from God to somebody. Oh, what a delight that is. So he's telling us here, he's telling us here, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, uh, you can ask whatever you will. Because at that point, when you're abiding in him and his word is abiding in you, his will becomes your will. It gets, it gets meshed together. Like, like Isaiah, the 40th chapter, says, They that wait on the Lord or braid themselves with God, intertwine themselves with God, renew or exchange their strength. You give God your strength. You give God your will. And he gives you his strength, and he gives you his will. And so when you pray, you're actually, you end up praying his will. And you get it. You get it. So we're going to talk about that rooting thing mostly today. But I want you just to see in Ephesians, the third chapter, a couple of these rooting things. There is a private life of prayer, a private one. Uh, I could say a, maybe a different word, the secret life of prayer. Or we could say the rooting life of prayer. And then there is also the fruit life of prayer. The fruit life of prayer is the part that other people see. Jesus said, if you pray to me in private, I reward you openly or give you know, there'll be fruit, open fruit. But there is this private time, this connection with God that sometimes um, it gets skipped over because we're trying to get to the production side, to the fruit side. And so sometimes what ends up people doing is they pray harder. I know because I've done it. And, and, it's a weird deal. You think that once you learn it, you know, it's the Holy Ghost has taught you along these things, you won't do the wrong thing anymore. But it's a, how your flesh, uh, if you want results, sometimes we just bank out or we just gravitate to trying harder, praying harder. If we can pray harder, pray longer, get more people to pray. Get more, more people praying harder and longer. Oh, and let's fast. And all of these things are good. Praying hard, praying loud, praying with lots of people. Fasting is a good thing. But when we're doing that to get results, um, when we're doing that to try to push out fruit, uh, then we've left off what true Christianity is. True Christianity is a good rooting so there can be spontaneous fruiting. 
You just don't have to work so hard if you're connected to the vine. And there isn't such a performance consciousness where you're thinking, if I could just do this better, if I could just try harder, if I could just, you know, work on this better, if maybe I need to do this, I, 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 I. You know, it's really refreshing for us to keep remembering Jesus. <laughs> my daughter, my youngest daughter, Annalisa, she's 17 now, but she was quite a bit younger. We had just moved to Australia and maybe there a year. And uh, she's a really funny little girl. Uh, and, uh, but she started doing whatever she could do to make them laugh. Aussies are, are fun people. And she found that she liked to, do we have one? Over the seat, there you go. And uh, she just loved, you know, she loved to get them to laugh, and she wanted them to like her, so she, she started doing anything to make them laugh. And she started even doing things that she didn't think were right to get a laugh. And uh, so it, uh, anyway, um, sometimes she would come home, and I just think, who took my child? Who did you re who replaced my child? Who are you? Because she was acting different, and she was being snide, and she's not that way. And I, so I just thought, eh, what is this? So I did the mom thing to fix her, and. So I, you know, and I, and I did the mom and I did the Christian mom thing. You know, where I put verses of scripture in there and just beat her with the Bible. <laughs> and told her what to do and she better straighten up and be, tell you what. Not having this. You know, that kind of a deal. And I, I felt a little bit good about myself after I got done. Felt like I relieved my, you know, and did my duty. Until I got to talking to God, and um, he said, he said, you're working on the wrong thing with Annalisa. He said, you're working on her fruit. You're trying to change the way she's acting. Because, see, the way you act is your fruit or what's coming out, the way you talk, the way you do, what's coming out of your life. You're working on her fruit. He said, stop working on her fruit. Change this, change this, straighten up. Dude, quit saying that, quit saying that, quit being this way. He said, don't work on her fruit, work on her root. I said, how do you do that? It's amazing what God will tell you if you ask him a question. But you don't ask questions if you think you know it. Usually, we don't ask questions unless we think we don't know something. It's a, it's a good thing to keep remembering God is always going to be smarter. Could know something we don't know. And if something is going amok, it could be because we're not doing it exactly as he would do it. Because hmm? he wins. So anyway, I said, well, what? what? How do you work on your fruit? I'm glad. I, I like to pray for nations and all kind of big stuff, but I like it when God helps me in my house too, eh? Helping me with my kids. So he said, he gave me this verse. Let's just look at it. 
It's in this prayer. I'd prayed it heaps of times, and I never, never noticed it like this. He said in verse 17, May Christ, through your faith, dwell in your heart. And then look at the sec- second half of the verse. May you be rooted and established in love. May you be rooted. Now, let me ask you a question. Who is love? Yeah, in, in, this, in this, in the Christian context, it's not what is love, it's who is love. So he's saying that you would be rooted and established in God. Well, now let, let me just ask you a question. If we're automatically rooted and established in God when we're born again, then what? in the world was Paul asking this for? And he prayed this over and over. Why did he ask for the church to be rooted and established in God or in love? Well, we are in Christ and Christ is in us. Let me say it this way, because I had to ask. I said, well, what are the roots? Your roots are your affections and what you're drawing into your life, what you're sucking into your life. That's what your roots, that's what roots are for a tree. They draw in, and whatever, whatever a tree is rooted in, you can tell by the fruit what the roots are sucking in. And so sometimes uh, there, could be, there could be something uh, funny about a, a piece of fruit, and you could just know something is a muck in the soil. It's got to be fixed in the soil if it's going to come out right in the fruit. And so, uh, the roots of our life, the roots of our life, if you could just see there's roots coming out your eyes, you're pulling into into your being, what you're looking at in your eyes, Roots come out your ears. You're pulling, you're pulling into your being what is coming into your ears. If you don't like something that's coming out your mouth, rather than slapping your mouth all the time, it could be what's coming into your ear is coming out your mouth. Well, rather than trying to fix your mouth, you might just need to put your roots someplace else out your ear. You understand? Or out your eye. If something wrong is coming out your hands, it could be, because of what's coming in your eye. Does this make sense? So the Lord said, pray for her root. Pray for her root. That she would be rooted and grounded and founded securely in God, in love. So that what comes in her eyes and in her ears and in her affections and what she's looking, looking for to satisfy her is God. Hallelujah. This is a good thing to pray for one another. And you know what happened? He answered my prayer. I didn't have to work so hard on my child. I didn't work at all. He did. Because his roots, uh, her roots started going into God. She came to me. She said, Mom, she said, she said I, I think I'm supposed to just take a year to do homeschool. And I said, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. She said, well, I, I think I, I am because I, she said, I feel like I'm getting cold. My heart's getting cold to God. 
this is like she's in the eighth grade. What do, how do people talk like this in the eighth grade? She said, my heart feels cold to God. I said, I could have told you that a week ago. No, but I, I, no, I, I didn't. I just said, I said, she said, well, would you pray about it? I said, okay. So Tony and I prayed about it, and God was on her side. He said, yeah, she's supposed to for a year. So she did. And she had an amazing year. She found her heart, and songs started coming out. And she had, it was a good year, you know, she, and then she jumped back into school, and, uh, you know, she's graduating this year. Uh, but she found her heart, and songs started coming out, and, and ministry started coming out of her heart. And it wasn't that I was trying to get her. I wasn't coaching her all the, all the way. Now, Annalisa, you better. And then, you know, and we, you know, we, this is what we do. This is why. No. It, it was drawn up from God. Spontaneous. I wonder what could come out of every single life rooted in God. Unique fruit. We don't have to do things the same. Not every fruit looks the same if it's really drawn out out of God. If, we're, if we think, oh, that's what spiritual is, so I better be that. Oh, I've done that too. I've looked at people that I thought was wonderful, and I thought, oh, that's what I'm going to do. And then it was like, I tell you what it's like. It's like a little child walking around in their mother's high heels with Kleenex in the toes. It just, it just isn't quite the same. It's not, it's not us. God just wants us to be who he's made us to be. And each of our individual fruit you know, if, if, if we're not drawing up from him, then we try to be like one another. And there, or else we get tired of being like one another and we go, I just want to be myself. But actually, what we really want to be is who God's created us to be. Amen? So rooted deep in love and founded securely on love, the Amplified says, Colossians says the same thing in Colossians 2. If you look at Colossians 2 and verse 7, it says, and have the roots of your being firmly and deeply planted in him. I'm reading the Amplified. Fixed and founded in him, continually built up in him, becoming increasingly more confirmed and established in the faith, just as you were taught. Abounding and overflowing in it with thanksgiving. So rooted, rooted in love, rooted in God, where your conscious he, he starts helping us to see what he wants us to see, hear what, we, what he's wanting us to hear. And if there's something toxin or poison that's coming in the ear that will make you have poisonous fruit coming out, uh, then he helps you to get that root out of that area and put it into the right thing. Amen. Uh, it just works that way. But have you seen those... Yeah, maybe a picture, it's usually an artist's rendition of a tree, a, a, a big tree, and then the root system there, they show the root system too. So it shows the, a big root system underneath, the, that it's almost, the root system underneath is as big as the tree on the top. You've seen those kind of, those kind of pictures. And, uh, and that's the way I see the prayer, the prayer life, the prayer life, except for the root system and the tree 
is absolutely inverted. And the roots are up, and the, and the big tree that bears fruit is down. In other words, our roots are in God, and our fruit is where people can get it. Isn't that nice? And the branches of your life, the branches of your life reach into, yeah, they reach into church, but they also reach into home. Do you know it should be that people would be able to eat fruit off of your life in your house? Like sweet words in your house? Mm. And sweet words at work? See, you, if you, I was thinking, I tell you what stood out to me about that testimony and praise the Lord about, about tithing too because that's a huge thing. But do you know God would have had a hard time to bless him if he'd have been a pitiful worker? If he'd have been pathetic? So he must have been bearing fruit in work. And God could bless him because of that fruit, that branch that was going off into work. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and, and you didn't even know. You didn't even know they were looking at what you were doing. You were just unconsciously bearing fruit. Instead of going to work, I've got to be a better Christian today. I, I've, got to, I've got to do this better today. I've got to be nice today. I've got to be, I've got to walk in love. I've got to be gentle and kind. Christianity isn't meant to be such an aerobic event. It's to be a tree event, something bearing fruit. What you're conscious of is the root. What is spontaneous is the fruit. Praise the Lord. But it says in verse 8 of John 15 that when you bear much fruit, he's glorified. When you bear fruit, he prunes you so you can bear more fruit. But it's only until you bear much fruit that he's glorified. Because in much fruit, people know that something is exceptional about you. That it isn't just an accidental or occasional nice thing that you do. When much fruit comes through your life, glory goes to God. Oh, guys, we want glory to go to God. So, I, wanna, I want to just talk just a little bit about this rooting thing. What, what happens in this rooting thing? In the next two days when we're praying, most of the prayer will be a prayer that God wants us to do that he can bring to pass. It, it won't be so much the rooting kind of a prayer. I have found for my own personal life that the rooting kind of relationship with God is, is personal. Part of it is public where I worship the Lord in the congregation, you know, and everything. Part of, it, part of it is something that I can do with other people. But a lot of the rooting is just like it is for a tree. You can't see it. You see the fruit. And so sometimes that's why people don't put much effort into or put much attention into the root because no one sees it. They work hard for the root or for the fruit because that's what people see they, in it to make a show. Root you can't see. There is an unseen prayer engagement 
in interaction with God that holds your life. And I'm telling you, wind can blow, rain can come, things can go on around you, but if you've got a good root system and you're grounded in God, you just stay. You're just okay. And even if things get dry on the top, because your roots go down deep into God, you bear fruit in every season. Honestly, I'm telling you the truth. Your roots go down deep into God, and you don't have wilderness experience where you feel distant from Him. Truly. It goes beyond feeling. It goes beyond sensation. Although feelings can be there, but it goes beyond. It goes into the very core. Like, guys, listen, you never even think of your stomach unless something's wrong with it. But it's there. It's there. You don't think of your intestines unless something's wrong with them. But they're there. They're there and they're doing their deal. Same with the lungs. Same with everything on the internal. We give a lot of time and attention to what's on the outside, hanging stuff on it, trying to fix it up different, do different stuff, help it. But it's what's on the inside. What's on the inside is what makes you alive. And our inside relationship with God is so important. So important. The private life with Jesus. Amen. Here's a couple things that are just helpful to your private life. I know it's wacky, but here comes one. Enemies. Enemies will help your private life with God. It may just make you want to kiss them. <laughs> Maybe not, but... But, yeah, enemies. Jesus said in Matthew, the fifth chapter, in the 44th verse, he said, he said, pray for your, pray for your enemies. Pray for those that despitefully use you. He also said this. He said, and by this, you'll know, they'll know that you are my children. One of the characteristics of children of God is we like our enemies. We do. Mm -hmm. Starting with Father. He liked us before we ever liked Him. He loved us before we ever loved Him. The reason we ever changed, the, ever, the, the reason we've ever started looking at Him is because He clapped eyes on us a long time ago. And He loved us. The way of his children is that we love our enemies. I know it seems like an odd thing, but when things ruffle us or offend us, it's an opportunity for us to talk to Father. And um, usually it stimulates, what this does is stimulate a private life in God where you talk to him about your feelings. 
You talk to him about your concerns. Also, that goes then right along then with 1 Peter, the 5th chapter and the 7th verse. You can just write that down for time's sake. We won't look there. And it also goes along with Philippians, the 4th chapter and the 6th verse that says, don't worry or fret or have any anxiety about anything. But in everything, with prayer and supplication, make your, your request be na- made known unto God. So not only enemies, but cares that happen in life, different things that make you sad or mad or concerned, end up being a stimulant to put a root in God and look to Him. Ha, ha, ha. So the very thing that the devil really would like to make you cold with or uh, make you run away with ends up being the very thing that makes you go to him. Listen to this one. Listen to this one. Paul said in 2 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, he said, I would much more gladly glory in my weaknesses. Does anybody have any? Ask the person sitting beside you if you do. Because they know about them. Sometimes we don't even know our own, but yeah. But you're aware of your own weaknesses too. Listen to this. Not only weaknesses, uh, you know, maybe that's not a real strong part of my personality, but sometimes there can be weaknesses that make us even prone to slipping and falling where sin is concerned. The devil means for sin to separate us. But when you understand that your weakness can be the very thing that makes you go and glory in his presence so that you can receive his abundant life and grace and mercy, sin even loses its objective from the devil. Ha, ha, ha. It's always meant, sin is always meant to make people want to go away or to hide themselves in condemnation or hide themselves like Adam and Eve did. But instead of running away, it will run to, to the Lord with weakness, with concerns, with frustrations. We run to him with everything negative in our life. I tell you what. You find yourself rooted deep in God, deep in Him. Things that have been a need in my life, something that that has concerned me, that's when I drive my root into God and I get something that no one else can give me. Only God can ever give me. But it has been that need that has made me drive it into God. So the very thing that the devil is meant to separate me, you can turn it around and use it to help you get your root right down in there. Amen. 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 What What a way, what a whammy on the devil. Praise God. Besides, and I'm, I'm doing all the, the, the uh, kind of the different things first. Besides worship. We think, well, of course, worship is a way to enhance our relationship with the Lord. 
But I have found, I have found that uh, what has driven my roots into God has been the very thing that life is meant to obscure him. You, you look at old, old, old songs that say, like, for instance, this one says, when darkness tries to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every storm and windy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. When something wakes you up at night, you can't sleep for worrying. You could get out of bed and put your root down deep into God. I trust you in this area. Hallelujah. That kind of a relationship doesn't happen just because you come to church. Coming to church is good. It gives you, gives you a, an awareness of what to put your root into. It gives you fellowship with the believers, which more and more is necessary before Jesus comes. There are wonderful things that we give him and that he gives us when we come to a common table. But your roots won't go down deep into God just because you come to church. I know, I was, I was raised in church. My, your roots go down deep into God because you talk to him. Talk to him. Not talk at him, you talk to him. And you have those deep and meaningfuls that life tends to give you. I have found this, boy, can't life dish it out. Different seasons give you different things. Whoa, Nellie. But that's... Life gives you the opportunity to go to him in a way you've never gone to him before. Praise God. Jesus. And then you just keep finding different times in your life that he's still wonderful. He's, he's better than you ever remember. And you remember even good, but this, this is even better. All right. The private the private, the private place in God. We use our cares. We use weaknesses. We use concerns. We use even weaknesses of the flesh that the enemies tried to do where get us to trip and fall in sin. We can use those to run into the presence of God. Hallelujah. And then there is the, the public life, the public life. Amen. Now, one other thing before we get into the public life, which we won't this morning, but one other thing that helps us, if you'll go back into 1 Samuel, that will help you in your personal life with God. Are we okay? If you go back into, your, into, your, uh, into 1 Samuel,
and go to chapter 23. Now, this is before David. This is the main thing that we want to leave with today. At the beginning of this year, the Lord told, told me, you know how you, you wait on the Lord at the beginning of the year? And he says so much. Do you think he'd say much in the middle of the year? He'd probably say something if we'd ask, eh? If we'd wait, if we'd wait on the Lord, he, he would talk to us. Uh, but he told me at the beginning of the year, he said, ask questions. He said, ask me questions. Uh, he said, ask questions that only I can answer. So I've been really mindful of that. Have you ever seen uh, sometimes there will be somebody who seems like God is so active in their life? How can we, because the Holy Ghost lives with us, Jesus said in John the 14th chapter, he shall be with us and he shall also be where? The Holy Spirit is also in us. But it seems like for some people that he's so active. Some people not so active. What can activate the person of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead? What activates him in us and with us? Well, one of the things that activates him, one of the things that help you put your root into his mind and in his wisdom is asking questions. Asking questions. You want him to talk? Ask him a question. That's a, I, I think sometimes things are too simple. We, we look for them to be smarter than that or something. But they're so simple. If you want somebody to talk, what do you usually do? You ask them a question. If you do all the talking, they just sit there and just be barraged by you. But if you want them to talk, you ask a question. It's the same with God. If you want him to talk, there's some things that he initiates and he says. But if you want him to talk in your life, ask him a question. Be surprised what he says. He will so answer what you ask that sometimes you better think twice before you ask him. Because once he answers you, then you'll know. And then you have to respond to what you know. But it's always life. It's always helpful what he says. So I, I just noticed because David was a man after God's own heart, you know. Here in 1 Samuel, the 23rd chapter, it says in verse 2, David inquired of the Lord. Wow. What does inquire mean? He asked a question. Shall I go and attack these Philistines? Question mark. And the Lord said. The Lord answered him and gave him, a, gave him an answer. Verse 4. Then David inquired of the Lord again. I like that verse. Or the, I like that word. Again. It ought not to be that in our Christian life that we ask the Lord one question. I like what made David, one, one thing that made David a man after God's own heart is he asked again. He asked another question. Ask another question. Look at verse 11. Will the men of Cal uh, Cala deliver me into his hand? Talking about Saul. 
Look at that question mark there. The end of the verse. The Lord said, he will come down. Verse 12. Then David asked, will the men of Caleb deliver me and my men into Saul's hand? Question mark. And the Lord said, they will deliver you up. I just, in my Bible, I've highlighted that uh, because I like to watch that interaction between David and God. And it happened with a question. And then God answered. There was this lady that I know, uh, and go to 2 Samuel. A lady that I know, uh, precious, precious. She's married to this man. And I think she was down from this way. Were the Blackwood brothers down from this way? Does anybody know? Oh, we don't know. Mississippi and Tennessee? Oh, some are in the south. Anyway, she was, she was a cousin to the Blackwood brothers. And she was on the original board of Mary Kay. So, and she had false eyelashes. And she was, like, she was like this. And she was married to a really smart guy uh, that put the very first satellite in the world up. He's, he's gone home to be with the Lord. But I mean, okay, like he's a rocket scientist. And she's like this. And, um, and so uh, I, I still remember I, I, I spent a, a couple days with them. And I was so curious of this man. I was so happy to be. I had, I had so much respect for this man that put a satellite in, the, in orbit. And so uh, I would ask him a question. And uh, she would answer. She'd go, oh, the doomy affliction. And, um, and, you know, she just, uh, she answered all of his questions. He just smiled. He thought she was cute. <laughs> but I think sometimes, sometimes we have the God that all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in him. And we're doing all the talking. And telling God what to do. Now, God, this is what you need to do. Even concerning, you know, uh, politics and this upcoming election. This is what you're going to do, God. You're going to do this and you're going to do this. Go over there and move on those people. Do this, do this, and do that. And also do that. And while you're at it, I, I want you to talk to my family about this and tell him this. You can't even, we've been telling what to say. And then do this, and move on them, and have them do this, and have them do that, and say this to them. Do we do that? Yeah, we do that. So, anyway, that's why, in his mercy, I think he told me at the beginning of the year, start asking questions, because there are smart things that God knows about us in the time that we are living in that he can't say while we're blabbing. But when we ask a question, it opens up a door that he can answer and give us things that we wouldn't know. Call unto me, Jeremiah says, and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things that you don't already know. Praise the name of the Lord. Let's finish with this, again with David. The Philistines came down. Now he's king. He just turned king. And in verse 19, David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Question mark. Will you deliver them into my hand? 
question mark. And the Lord said to David, and he told him to go up. And he, and he won. He did just exactly what, what God said, and God delivered him. Verse 23 says, when David inquired of the Lord, because the Philistines came again, then God said, don't go up. This is in verse 23. Do you know where I am? I could tell that by your faces. And if I wouldn't have asked you that question, it's in 2 Samuel, the fifth chapter. Of course. Where'd you think I was? 2 Samuel, the fifth chapter in the 23rd verse, the Philistines came up again. But he did, they didn't just, David didn't just rely on his experience. Oh, guys. Well, God told me back in 1983 that da 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 da. Do you think that God knows anything else? Not everything hangs on. And so we ask again, ask again. And so because he asked again this time, the instruction wasn't the same, even though it was the same enemy. He asked again, and God gave a fresh word. That's called a rhema. Not just something that we've already decoupaged or macrameed and put on our wall. It's something fresh that God has for us right now. And you can stimulate that by asking. This is all a part of the private life. And because David did ask of the Lord, he, God told him. God told him. Listen, and we're going to end with this. I want to pray with you and pray for you. If an area isn't victorious in your life, if something isn't straight in your life, ask him about it. Ask him. Not with a fist in his face. Not, why me? That's a silly question. Just ask, what do you need to know? Say, what is it that you know about this that I need to know? You can always tell if somebody has the mind of the Lord on a certain thing because it straightens up. If we have wrong thinking in a thing, it will kink that area of your life like a hose is kinked and life can't flow into it. So you could ask him about your marriage. You could ask him about specific areas of your marriage. You could ask him about your finances. You could ask him about a child or a, a parent or another relationship. Ask him questions. And you know what? He answers. In my relationship with my husband, I went to him with all kind of directions. Now, now God, tell my husband this. And, and while you're telling him, I'm going to tell him too, just in case he can't hear you. So you get him from inside, I'll get him from outside. <laughs> so I tried that strategy for a little while. And then I asked the Lord, what do you want me to do? And I was thinking, or what do you have to say about my marriage? And I was thinking that, because I have a good one. But I was thinking, you know, can, can it be, I asked him a question, can my marriage be better? 
And he said, yes. Needs to be a picture of Christ in the church. If it's not glorious, if it's not glorious in every way, then it can be better. Oh, well, it's just, no, ask a question. Well, it seems to me if it's better, then he better do this and he better do this. It seems to me like. <laughs> so then I asked a question, and the Lord didn't even tell me what Tony needed to do different. He started telling me about me. I was shocked. I'm being a little silly, but I'm telling you, I'm really telling you the truth. He didn't even tell me what he was telling Tony to do. He only told me what I'm supposed to do. I found that it took all my time doing what just I'm supposed to do. Does this make sense? Again, what the Lord gave me that, that about the roots for my daughter, what a difference it made. And she didn't go off the rail. If I would have kept pushing her, pushing her, pushing her the way I was pushing her, I could have pushed her off the rail with the Bible. But I wouldn't have known it. Sometimes if we just ask, the Lord will just say, mm, do it a little different. A little different. And he shows you what to do. And he, it's never mean. It's always nice. It's always for our good. Do you know what, I, what it is that he... Um, told me the other day, I was up talking to him about something. He said, when I lord to you, I can lord through you. And to the degree that I lord to you, I can lord through you. Do you know what I mean by lord to you? You are lord, but you can't tell me anything. Won't listen to you because I know it. No. When you say you are lord, then he can straighten things. Do this different. Do this different. Do that different. That means Lord. He's our Lord. Amen. Quit spending money there. Save it there. He gives you practical stuff. You guys like him to just get into your life? I mean, just get in. Get in there. Fix it. Glory be to Jesus. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Father, we're so thankful for an amazing plan of redemption that brought us into fellowship with the Father, that you've called us into fellowship with the Lord Jesus. You've called us into communion with the Holy Spirit. Thank you so much. We have fellowship with God. And Father, this morning, it's this part of prayer. Before we do anything else, I ask you, Lord, that you would, by your Spirit, work at work in us. When we even go from this place, while we may be by ourselves, getting dressed in the morning or driving or in our bed or whatever, I ask you, that there would be a stirring up of this area that we would take advantage of our access to the Father in a personal way, our personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, before we go this morning, and while our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, 
I pray that if there's somebody here that has never had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, they've never had the experience of knowing that God is their Father, Jesus is their Lord, and if they were to die today, they'd go to heaven. They're not 100% sure that everything between them and God is, is good. Father, they can know that, and I pray that no one would leave here this morning with a question mark in that area. And so I, I ask that you would just tug on their heart and let them know today's a day to get that sorted. And so, Father God, I pray that if there's anyone here that situations have gotten them off the rail, gotten them off the track, help them to know that they can come home. I'm talking about children of God, that you won't cast them out, you won't be mad at them won't scold them when they come back home, but to just take them in and love them. In Jesus' precious name, we just lift up our, this personal relationship thing with you today.